you please help me welcome Eichlin Beer? Here I am. <laughs> oh. Snuck up behind you, man. <laughs> I told him last service I was going to get get him somehow for uh, referring to us as the Baldies or something like that. But uh, I snuck up behind you. That's good enough, right? All right. Hey, you know what? 500 people, 500 youth in that center. Praise God. That is so cool. Like back in the day when I was growing up, we didn't have a youth room. Well, we did. We was a janitor's closet, and that's where we met for youth. And there was a, could fit 10 people in there. One time we had eight, and it was like a revival back in our place. We didn't even dream about five, 500. Praise God. That is so cool. Oh, you know, no, it's not about numbers. No, it's not about, it's about individuals, 500 individuals. Praise God. That's, wow. Let, let me just uh, jump in on a word of prayer here. Lord God, I just um, come before you um, just amazed and in awe of uh, what you're doing and uh, who you are. Lord, you have called each of us uh, to you. You have brought each of us uh, out of different places in our lives. And Lord, even this week, you have um, been wanting to speak to us. Lord, I pray that uh, during this time and uh, throughout all that we do here, that your word would be going forward, that your voice would be speaking. Lord, uh, send your Holy Spirit to uh, capture every word that is spoken and translate it to our hearts. Don't let anything uh, that you'd have for us be missed today, but I pray that you would be the one uh, just uh, pouring out now. Turn everything over to you, and we thank you for your love for us and for all that you are doing, Lord God, and for who you are. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Communion. I don't know about uh, your growing up, but once again, back in the day, when I was, uh, as I was growing up, the church or churches that I went to, they had this really cool thing with communion. Um, I didn't necessarily think it was so cool at the time, but, uh, well, let me explain. Um, New Year's. I mean, some churches have uh, traditions of having communion uh, like every Sunday. Sometimes uh, some churches say the first Sunday of every month. Some say uh, once a quarter. Some say uh, once a trimester, except for on leap year, then you get an extra one in there. Something like that. They have different patterns to which they have communion. Um, the church that I, that I grew up in actually had this thing about having communion on New Year's. Because somehow if you were to be praying and or having communion going into the new year, then that was really cool and spiritual, so that's what we did. And um, I kind of wanted to avoid it because growing up I thought, you know what, New Year's. Isn't that the time when it turns midnight and then, you know, being a young man, I get to look around and just decide which girl I'm going to kiss, right? You know, strike a, you know, midnight hits and all right. Well, I thought, okay, maybe this wouldn't be so bad in church, right? Because in church you got like, more options, more people, right? So this particular year, I was uh, just okay with going to communion because I thought maybe this year finally I'd have enough guts to follow through on that, which I thought maybe it would be, it would be so cool to do. And so there I was um, with everyone else. We had our game time and then to the uh, food time or food and game and food time. I don't Anyway, and, and then we went to prayer time and then in, into communion. And at communion, as they, it was handed out and, 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 and the um, elements were handed out to us, and we were there to, to pray and to ask God if there's anything within us that was not right. Because 
You wouldn't want to go to God in communion with a heart that wasn't right before God. Now, I, that's, a, that's really important. I understand that. But somehow, being there at 11.30, then 11.40, 11.50, still reflecting on my heart if it was right or not, 11.58, still reflecting on God if my heart was right or not, 11.59, it's getting to be about the time, so we can take this communion at any time, right? Okay, um, 12, 12.05, 12.15, 12.20. Let us now partake in communion. So we took the communion, and afterwards it was like, oh, look, it's the new year. Praise God, brother and sister. And go around and shake everyone's hand, and they went, oh, boy, I'm feeling tired. Let's go ahead, and everyone just headed to their homes. I'm like, come on. What's the deal with communion? It's like the great, the great party killer or something like that. <laughs> Woo, yeah, let's have some more of that. Yeah. I mean, we, we used juice and everything. It wasn't like, oh, never mind. The whole <laughs> wine, never mind. Okay. But is really communion supposed to be the great party killer or is it meant to be a celebration? Let's look at what took place on the first time that communion was served in which Jesus was there with his disciples. Luke 22, verse 14. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this, take and divide it among you, for I tell you I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do, it, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is in the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, poured out for you. New covenant. What did he mean by that? A new covenant. What was taking place at the time? It was a Passover. Yeah, he was there having supper with them, saying, all right, we're starting something new here. This is something different than what you've experienced before. You see, I'm kind of wondering, why did Jesus choose to do this with 12 people? Because... You know, wouldn't it have been better if you're going to start something new to go and, like, do that when a lot of people are around? What about, like, the feeding of the 5,000, right? 5,000 people all gathered together. He already had the bread there. I was one more miracle away, and he's got the wine. We're, we're able to have communion. 5,000 people. I'm not trying to be sacrilegious here. I'm trying to figure this out. Why is it? Why not in front of 5,000 people? Why only with 12? If you're going to start something new, isn't that the time in which you try to get the word out and try to let people know about it? Why not at the wedding when he turned the water into wine? Maybe there's some bread there. Maybe they could have had, you know, communion at that point. Maybe he could have said to them, here I am in my new covenant with you. And some of the language that was used in there was very relevant to the wedding ceremony. You don't have time to go into that right now, but it's just, it, was, it could have been a very meaningful thing at that point. But instead, he chose with twelve. Why not just a few days before that? A few days before that, he goes riding into town on the donkey, right? He's riding into town, and here it is. 
All these people screaming and crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, putting down the palm branches, riding into town. In my mind, if I'm going to start something new, I'm going to let people know about it. I would have been like, hey, disciples, get over here. Okay, I'm gonna, when I'm going to ride into town, people, you know, they're going to be, you know, glad I'm there, stuff like that, and, you know. And so I want you to go ahead and um, hand out these little cards or let people know to come over to uh, this place over here. We're going to gather together for the new covenant that's coming up here in a few days. Get the word out. Let people know. I'm gonna, it's, it's, I, don't got, I can't tell you all about it right now, but I'm going to reveal it a little bit later. But just start to get, you know, people in on this. But instead of choosing to let everyone and have a huge crowd be there, he chose the 12. Why is that? You see, they were celebrating the Passover. The Passover that they were celebrating was one of those celebrations that was meant to be in the house. It was meant to be held around a table. It was meant to be um, a part of eating food and talking and just sharing with each other. The Passover celebrated what took place for the children of Israel when they were in Egypt. When they were in Egypt, they were um, slaves under Pharaoh, and God sent Moses to be able to, um, to take them out of Pharaoh's hand and to be able to bring them into the promised land. So what took place is that God continued to send plague after plague, trying to let people not know not only God's power, but also to have Pharaoh say, it is fine, they can go now. But what took place was Pharaoh was still not letting go, and God said to the children of Israel, I want you to sacrifice a lamb. I want you to prepare the lamb. I want you to take it into your house. I want you to take along with your supper to eat this lamb as well as some unleavened bread and to take blood from the lamb as it was slaughtered to take and put it over the doorpost and on the sides so that because tonight during the night I'm going to come, and I'm going to come into this area, and I'm going to take and to kill the firstborn male of every Egyptian, of every household that does not have the blood of a lamb over the doorposts. And so here they were, the children of Israel, wanting to, to be free, wanting to, to, to see God's kingdom for them, wanting to finally set aside all the shackles, all the pain, all the burdens, all the things that they had struggled with for so many years. And it comes down to this, a supper in their house, eating the supper and hearing even the cries of those around them. Because it says in Scripture that in Egypt there was not a house without someone dead. Not a house without someone dead because of what took place there, except for the children of Israel. They came out of uh, Egypt. They went on, and, and, uh, and, and as they were coming out, and, and God had told them even before this that they were to, to remember the Passover, to remember what God, had did, what God did at this very moment. Anybody got a short memory? Yeah. I got myself you know, this little computer thing, and I can sync it up to my phone thing, and then I got another, I just got a different phone, and I'm trying to figure out how to sync that thing up to this thing so it can remind me so that the beepers and buzzers can go off. I got four kids that remind me of the things I need to be doing. Uh, my wife, she's got the spiritual gift of being able to help me remember what I need to do. I got all these things going on. I got the people, I've got schedules, and just, like, you know, if I forget totally, then someone can give me a call. All these things to remember. Jesus knew that there's something important about remembering. 
He knew that there was something incredible about a covenant, but he also knew that we needed to remember. The children of Israel knew, and God knew, that he needed to have them set up a time in which they'd remember what God, had did, what God did for them. They celebrated it in their homes. It wasn't a large group thing. It was a remembering thing, and it was also a faith-building thing. It was something to say, you know what? Remember what I did. Why was this the time that Jesus chose? And why is it that now in our day and age do we come together in large groups such as this to have communion? Let's focus on verses 19 and 20. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Remembrance of me. Trying to just to remember. I have a friend of mine, his name was Jeff, and he was killed tragically in a car accident. And every time that myself, along with the friends of mine, we get together and we're talking and we're telling stories and we start to, to share about Jeff's life. If we're just kicking around and we're having supper or something like that, and someone starts to say, oh, yeah, remember when this happened? And like, oh, yeah, yeah, It's just, you, you know, if we got a can of Coke or something, here, here, cheers, yeah, you know, I remember him. Man, I miss that guy. Jeff was the guy who, was, um, who gave his life to Christ at a, at, when he was about, ah, let's say, 20, 20 years old or so. And before that, he wasn't living for the Lord at all. But man, he, he, had some, just, he would just like, tell these stories that would just make you just want to like, oh man, I'd just be dying laughing. He'd be like, we drive down the road, and, and, and I'd be like, my, I'm laughing so hard, my eyes are watering up. I'm like, man, stop telling these stories, dude. I, I, I got to see the road. He said stuff like, uh, man... You know, like, uh, before I came to Christ, you know, like, uh, uh, I was, like, you know, high or something one night, you know, and I, I went to go get a tattoo, you know, and, uh, like, I sat down, and I told the guys, like, I want, like, a guitar, and have, like, eagle's wings on it, you know, like, flying, you know, a flying guitar, that'd be so cool. So, like, I just sat down there, and I sat down, and I, like, and I, like, passed out, you know, and the guy who was, like, giving that tattoo, he, like, uh, I guess he didn't know how to make, like, eagle's wings, you know? So he made the guitar, and he put, like, bat wings on it. And he goes like this, and shows us this big monster tattoo with bat wings coming out of the side of it. We're just dying laughing. And he's just, like, on and on about these things that took place that now he's just, like, and, the, and not only that, but just to know him and the transformation that took place. Man, every time we tell these stories, we die laughing, but we just go, man, Praise God for what God did in his life in the time that he knew him. How do you think it was that the disciples remembered Jesus? When Jesus said, remember me, did he mean remember me in my death, or did he also mean remember me in my life? What do you think about what happened the first time the disciples got together to celebrate the Passover? After Jesus had, um, had been crucified, it rose from the dead and was ascended into heaven. Now the disciples get together. It's time to celebrate. See, the celebration, if we really think about it, it was a celebration because the children of Israel were celebrating, man, God saved us. He saved us at this time. And the disciples were now to say, I remember Christ. Not only for what he did, but for what he's doing right now. But think about it. Here it is. Hey, yeah, his disciples sitting around the table going, hey, yeah, remember the time? He fed the 5,000. 
one of the disciples would be going, yeah, I remember that. He was like, hey, go get that bread. And I, so I picked up the bread, and he's like, now go hand it out to people. I started to, like, take a bite of it, because I'm like, I'm going to get some before it all runs out, you know? And, like, Jesus looked at me with that look, you know, that look he gave you, like that, you know? It was like, it was like, it was loving, but yet, you know, like, hey, come on, come on, trust me. And so he gave me that look, you know? And the other disciples were like, what look? I don't know what you're talking about. You know, because, and then, so he's like, he goes, he takes, so I took the bread out, and like, I handed it out, it was like, and there was more than enough. It was like, incredible, man. And like, the other guys, you know, at the table going, yeah, and then we were like, wiped out. We were totally wiped out after all that day. He was like, healing people, and that happened. And then Jesus goes, hey, get in the boat, go across the lake, and I'll catch up to you later. And we're like, catch up to you later? Like, how? And we looked at Jesus, and the one guy goes, yeah, he gave me that look, you know? It was like, and you're like, how are you going to argue with them? You're going to argue with Jesus? No. No, we're staying, you know? So we get in the boat, yeah. And then, like, Peter goes, yeah, so we're in the boat, you know? And we're going along. And all of a sudden, I, you know, someone goes, oh, it's a ghost. And I, look at, and I look over, and it's Jesus. And everyone else is like, you guys are all, like, crying and stuff and scared, you know? <laughs> and Peter's going, and I, I just looked at him, I went, hey, that's Jesus, you know? You chicken. And then they went over. And, and, and so I, like, I got, and, and you're like, it's not Jesus, it's a ghost. I go, it is too, Jesus. I'm going to get out of the boat and go prove it. And so I go, get out of the boat. I start walking. To, I mean, I ran to Jesus. I just run, run up to him. I said, hey, how's it going, you know? And, and, and sure enough, Matthew's going to just pipe up and go, yeah, you weren't just running. You started to, like, drown because you'd be like, Whoa! you know, I don't even know if you could call that. You were kind of, like, flailing around. And then Peter would go, I wasn't flailing around, man. I was, uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I was getting baptized, yeah. <laughs> but you can almost just hear them remembering Jesus, cutting each other off in their stories, cutting, just adding to it and remembering what it was they did. And at the very end saying, man, I remember I remember, man, could it be that when he set up this thing that we call communion, when Jesus said and took his 12 disciples together to share the cup, could it be that he knew exactly what he was doing and not trying to do this with a large group and not establishing this as a huge thing, but trying to, and somehow establishing this in our hearts that we would share it with each other. Could it be that not only are we supposed to, in communion, examine our hearts and know if we're right before God, but could it be that we're also to share and testify as to the times in which God has shown up and saved us? Could it be that each of us has something to say? That God knew in his incredible power and wisdom and care for us individually, that he wanted each of us to have an opportunity to share, this is what God has done in my life? To think that God cares about me so much that he would push aside the crowds to say, Ike, I want you to be able to have a time in your life when you could sit around with some people and testify that this is what God has done in my life. That maybe what we do here as a large group is a really good thing, but maybe what we're doing here is more so a launching point to do this in our lives and in our homes. 
to think of this as like this is a good thing to come together to know that, that, that we are all coming together to have communion, but yet to know that maybe there's something that we could also do to use this as a launching point to be able to testify to God's love, to remember this new covenant, to know that God cares enough about everything in my life and cares about my faith so much that he would be putting as a priority that I have times to sit around around the table and to remember this covenant that I have with him and that he has with me. I've been able to sit around the table and to share and to testify and to remember what God has done in my life. I've been able to just share what's on my heart with people. Last year, we were down at South Padre Island over spring break. We do an outreach thing within the young adults, and we go down to South Padre Island. And, and we were down there. There's about 400 other college students and young adults from across the nation who go down there as well. There's about 35 different church vans that we drive around the island, and we pick up uh, people and drive them from club to club so they're not drinking and driving. Get a chance to, as the Lord leads, to be able to share with them on the way or maybe pray for them before they go back into the next club and say, hey, can I pray for you before you go back in? It's kind of crazy down here. I've never had anybody say no. They've all been like, yeah, yeah, totally, man, pray for me. So we're driving around. It was about 3 o'clock in the morning. We've been doing this for at least, I don't know, four to six hours, somewhere in there. We were pretty fried. And we picked up this group of people. We just dropped them off, and I looked out the window, and there's this guy standing there. He wanted to talk to me. I rolled down the window of the van, and he started to tell me about how it was that um, he didn't like what we were doing. He didn't like uh, us. He didn't care for God. And his heart was incredibly hardened to God because of what some people had done in the name of Christ. And I talked with him and tried to explain to him and share to him about it's not about people. It's about God's love for you, how much he cares for you, how much he wants to know you. And he continued just to block it all off. His friends behind him were doing drugs like right there. He would turn around and say, hey, man, they'd go, hey, man, take a hit. He'd turn around, take a hit, and then come back around and talk to me some more. And we just, I just sat there, and, and we talked, and everyone uh, the, from our group, were, they're in the van waiting. As we just sat there, they're praying for me as I'm talking to him. I'm like, Lord God, please break through. Lord God, break through for this guy. My heart is just like, just Lord, please do something. And they just keep on taking more hits and more hits and more hits. And finally, it, it's the, he ends the conversation and walks away. And I roll out the window, and I, guys, my eyes are watering up with tears. I'm just so broken. I'm like, God loves this guy so much, but yet he still keeps on turning to stuff that is only a hit and goes away. Lord God, please be with that guy. And I looked back, and I looked at everyone in the van, and we're all just fried. I could tell in everyone's eyes. We're just like emotionally, physically just exhausted. And I'm like, Lord, what do you want us to do? And I just heard the Spirit say, go pick up one more group. I'm like, we, uh, it's, it's 3 o'clock is a good time to go to sleep. <laughs> the guy's like, one more group. So we go driving down the road, and then we see this group. There's this group of guys who are just walking alongside the road, and God's like, that's the group. I'm like, heck no. That's the group that looks like they want to get in a fight, you know? That's, that's not the group that we want, you know? Safety issues, Lord, don't you understand here? You know, um, and, and, and the Holy Spirit's like, pick those guys up. Ask them if they need a ride. Oh, Lord. Roll down the window. I say, hey, man, you guys need a ride? They looked at me like, you crazy? Except for one guy. He's like, yeah, I do. And he ran over and jumped in the van. 
One guy. We said, hey, man, where are you, where are you going? Where, where are you heading to? We'll give you, you know, head, drive you over there. Oh, about two blocks that way. I'm like, very funny, Lord, two blocks. This is going to be. We drove those two blocks only to have him say, can we just keep on driving and talking? Only to have him say, I've been running from God. I gave my life to God at one point, but I've been running. I've been doing drugs and stuff again now, but I like went back to God and then came back to myself and went back to God and then came back to what I wanted and went back to God. I've been doing it so many times. He said, I just can't go back to God anymore. And to hear the people in our group speak into his life and to hear and to see God show up at that moment, to reach down and to start to pull him out and to be able to pray with him and to also encourage him and remind him that God doesn't care about the past as much as he cares about what are you willing to do with where you're at right now. It doesn't matter as long as you just say, in my heart, in my life, Lord God, it doesn't matter how many times I come back to you. The main thing is I'm coming back to you. And for him to ask us to pray with him that he would come back to Christ and then for him to ask us to sing worship songs with him that he hadn't sung for such a long time. And for us to be able to do that and to pray for him, wow, I remember when God showed up. I remember when Jesus changed not only my life, but that young man's life. What I am so excited about, so passionate about, and just what God is just doing more and more in my life is just saying, how is it that what God has done in my life will help and will encourage and not only um, change people's lives, but bring glory to God? I believe that every one of you has something to say and has something that God has done in your life. So what are we to do about this? Well, I pray that we would not only be uh, coming together as, with communion here at this point, but I pray that as a launching point into our houses that we would find and we would establish and we would seek out, God, the ways in which we can have communion with other people. Guys, I love getting together for worship here at Willard Hills because one of the things that I'm so excited about and passionate about is more and more the ethnic makeup of our church is changing. I'm so passionate about that. I love that. It's incredible. I love being able to, 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 to see that taking place. But you know what it excites me even more and it encourages me even more than this is because I know when I go to sit around the table to have communion that I'm also able to look out and see that change more and more in my life. I'm also able to hear from people that aren't like me what God is doing in their lives and I need that people I need that to be able to understand the fullness of God's love the fullness of his grace the fullness of his mercy I need I need that to understand God you guys this time that we have in communion here is incredible this is a launching point to take and to sit around the table and to share with others and to remember what God has done in your life. All right. We are going to take communion. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. But what we're going to do is we're going to take time within this to be able to say and to ask God, Lord, show me when it was 
if I can't remember right now, tell me when it was the last time that you showed up in my life. To say, I remember when, and to be able to testify to that in your heart. To be able to say during this worship time that whenever it is that God puts it on your heart, when the Spirit moves, go ahead and go to one of these tables over here. Get the, the communion and uh, take, the, take the bread and, and the juice and take that back to your seat or have it right there. Wherever it is, we'll just take it and then reflect upon it and say, Lord, I remember when. Thank you so much. Thank you for this new covenant. Thank you for your blood that was shed for me. Thank you for your continued investment in my life. Thank you for the way that you want to, uh, to continue to show up and to, and to just change not only who I am, but what it is and how it is that I see people that I might embody your love for others even more and more every day. I remember when. Let's pray. Lord, come before you. Not as people who have it all together, by any means. But Lord God, if I just stop and think, man, I can remember all the times you've just shown up. Lord, I remember how you pulled my life up out of what I was in. And you care for me. I praise you, God. Lord, I pray for anyone here who might be thinking, you know, I don't have a testimony. I don't have any time that I know of that I've seen God work in my life. Lord, that they would start that now, that they would yield control of their life to you, that they would say, Lord God, help pull me out. This may be the first time, but pull me out of what I'm in right now and help me to know you, that, you, that they want to be covered in the covenant blood that, uh, that was shed on the cross for them, that this covenant that was made would not be forgotten in us and that we would remind and remember our, uh, you know, ourselves as well as you know, what you've done in ourselves as well as other people around us. Lord God, make this a church, make us a uh, the, the body of Christ who takes this out of these four walls into the world. In Jesus' name, amen.